Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 36th episode of the PJ Archive. It's one of several interviews I was fortunate to do with the extremely popular British entertainer Scylla Black, who had highly successful careers as a pop singer and as a television presenter. Scylla sadly died in 2015 at the age of 72. This interview took place in London in 2008, when she was preparing to return to her hometown Liverpool to star in a pantomime. Ted Robbins is in the panto with you in Liverpool. Yes, he is. I think his sister Kate, is it? Kate. Um, she does impressions of you, and um, many people have. How have you felt about the different impressions that have been done over you? Well, you know, the first one to do a proper impression of me was Dustin G, Les oh, yeah, Dennis, yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who already is in the show. Yeah. And he coined the phrase, a lot, a lot, a lot of this, a lot of that. So you never said do that? I, no, I never ever said that. So, But I do capitalise on it now if I'm working a lot, a lot, because people expect me to do that. I actually think Kate Robbins does the best yeah, me. Yeah, terrific. Yeah. And I'm flattered, actually. I'm, I'm flattered by it. For someone to want to do me in that way, you know, Les oh. does me as, as well. Yeah. Oh, and Bobby Davro, he does a good one of me. I have to say, he does a really good one of me. And you're starring in Cinderella. To what extent do you feel your life has been a Cinderella story? Oh, it, uh, utterly, I am that Cinderella. In fact, it should have been me, but I'm the furry godmother. Oh, no, it was a furry tale story. I mean, the Beatles, um, you know, when the Beatles made it big and then... There was that succession of bands that followed, and then I, there was more than one girl singer in Liverpool, but I was the one that Brian wanted to sign sign up. And of course, I was I was glad to jump on the Beatles' oh, yeah. coattails um, in more ways than one. But then it's you know once you do that, you can only get one chance of that. Oh. Then you've got to make good. You're on your own then. You can't keep sort of relying on the Beatles for everything. Throughout your career, um, how often have your thoughts turned to Brian Epstein? Oh, all the time. All the time. Well, I mean, in, uh, it sounds flash this, but in my houses abroad, and in I've got a little flat in London, I've got the family home, got a place in Spain and I've got a penthouse in Barbados. There is a photograph of Brian Epstein. In every house? Yes. Really? Yes. Yes. That's quite something, isn't it? And to what extent do you feel his life and achievements have been sufficiently recognised or commemorated? Well, I don't think he has, actually. I mean, uh, uh, Peter Brown was a, a, a PA or more than that. He ran Apple. Peter Brown, who now lives in New York, um, he was. Uh, he wants him to be in the Rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame, yeah. which I think he should be, actually. Um, and Peter asked me to write to Paul, which I duly did, and I didn't hear anything. So I thought, I'm not pushing. I'm not writing again, you know, because I, I've never written. Uh, I only sent Christmas cards, and then I bump into them at different places. But I mean, I feel very strongly that uh, Brian should be recognised recognised more. Statue, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What's your favourite memory of being with the Beatles? 
Well, just the fun, the laughter, and the um, John being dreadful, very but funny with it, you know, funny. Um, and Ringo was naturally funny, and George was great. And, no, it being all together and just having a laugh after a show or doing an all what we used to do all night sessions then which I was very young I had to get my big brother to, a bouncer's job on the door to look after me uh, but then you know come 11 o'clock he'd go home so and he didn't finish till 8 o'clock in the morning or 7 in the morning they call called all nighters and you know just coming what the things that I remember you know walking home on a Sunday morning and pinching bottles of milk off the doorstep. <laughs> stuff like that. That was me. That <laughs> was me. How close have you been over the years to other great singers who've come out of the 60s like Sandy Shaw and Petula Park? Do you feel a bond towards them? We were all together. You've got to remember as well, we were all too busy making it swing in the swinging 60s because we worked every hour that God sent us. So. If we managed to get together, possibly at an award ceremony or a charity, for instance. Um, but I see more today of my peers than I did those days. And the, for instance, I would go to a Pet Clark concert because I absolutely think That's she's brilliant. fantastic. Um, How did you rate Alma Cogan? Oh, I loved Alma Cogan. Um, but she was funny as well. She was a great friend of the Beatles. They loved her. They thought she was really very, you know, a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I loved Alma Cogan. I, I think she did one of the Beatles songs, if I remember right. She did right. several, yeah. I feel yeah. Funny. It was terribly sad um, because the guy who she was uh, involved with was running the Ad Lib Club of which we all used to go, you know, after we'd done a show, you know, a toasted steak sandwich, the boys dad, oh, they, they went from drinking whiskey and coke um, to bourbon and seven up, because they'd been to America. And I, what did I have? Oh, I know, because I copied Mick Jagger, and I literally said, I'll have what he's having, and he was drinking Matthias Rosé wine. So that was my introduction to drinking, really. The key to your career appears to be this incredible way you have with people, dare I say, the common touch. Is that kind of inherited or trained in any way, or you just find you had this incredible gift? I think, I, I never, I never did, I love people anyway. Liverpool people love, love people. You do. I mean, I'm, I can't wait to get to Liverpool. A, I'll get a much stronger um, comedic, you know, I'll get me the fun bit back. And you've got to be quick because they're ever so quick up there. But you have a and special magic in, in your personality with people there. But they're Liverpool like that. You find really? them on the streets and honestly, mm. I am, I swear to God, um, it's, it's not a talent, you know, having people like you or the common touch, as you say. Everybody's like that in Liverpool. You know, if you ask somewhere, and it's happened to me, you know, I can't find me bearings because, you know, they've knocked a whole load, load of it down. Mm. You think, God, this is Seal Street? Where's. And you'd say to them, where's so, do you know where so and so is? And they go, 
to be homosexual then. And it was just, must have been awful for someone like Brian, you know, to be in that state. And so it was, a, a, I, he never, I know to this day he never killed himself. Uh, <clears throat> because I was told there were contracts for my very first TV show um, on the bed. He was in bed. It was an accumulation of drugs and alcohol. And it was one of those things that, which they didn't know then, it was an open verdict, but open verdict, by the way. It was the way, um, I think Mama Cass died that way too, but by that, that's right, that's right. Whereas alcohol and drugs. Going back to Bobby, um, to what extent has the pain of loss and grief diminished with time? It, it never diminishes, let's, yeah. let's get that straight. Because it's nine years next week right. that Bobby died. How do you mark the anniversary then? Oh, I don't, actually. I don't. Yeah, I might go down to the willow tree where Bobby's his ashes are buried there in, in uh, my garden. Uh, but I, I go down there anyway most weekends to talk. To you to talk to Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I avoid it like the plague. I've always, uh, in fact, you know, try not to be... I try to busy, busy myself, or even go out and have dinner with friends. Do you feel he's still around you a lot? Well, he's got to be somewhere. <laughs> God, he was taken away so quickly. He's got to be somewhere. And I complain to him at times. Oh, Bobby, you know. I do a lot of that. Um, but I think for the, first, for the first sort of five, four, four years probably, he, I was in bereavement, but... I had, I had my work to do, you know, and that really, you know, just was great for me. Uh, but then when I, um, but then it got on top of me because I just couldn't bear going into the dressing room. And it's like looking at that chair, that was Bobby's chair, and he wasn't there. I know that you've got this psychic website now. Did you kind of use sort of psychics to help? Well, that's how I got, I've always been interested in the psychic phenomena. Mm. Um, but then I heavily got into it when Bobby died. Yeah, I did. Mediums, you know, one really good one, you know, told me things that she couldn't possibly have known about Bobby. Um, so, yeah, and I took great, and I still do mm. take great comfort out of, um, you know, psychics, mediums. I mean, if I'm at a party and some, I can see someone reading a poem, I'm, I'm over there, you know. I've always been interested. How do you feel about getting older in this youth-orientated industry? I do, you know, I was asked that question the other day as well, particularly about the ages and on television, things like that. And I have to be with the young ones. I want to see beautiful young people with talent, mm. not without talent, mm. on telly. Who wants to watch an old bag? <laughs> who, you know, if you had the choice, wouldn't you rather watch a fabulously talented, beautiful young man or woman? Mm. But you're coming back on Sky, haven't you? I've um, done a, a, a pilot right. for a show. But I haven't seen, we all have to get, it's not edited yet, and we all have to mm. make a decision. You know, they might want me, and I might want to do it. Mm. Um, 
because I have to be happy with what I've done. It felt the only thing is it felt good again. Mm. It felt great, and we did it at L Street, and I was almost crying at the top of the show because when you know I wanted to say hello to the audience mm. before, I just didn't want to come on and do it. Mm. I wanted to have a little chat, and I was introduced by the warm-up guy, mm. and the whole of the audience stood up. And I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't. The religion. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> how, how did you feel about Ringo Starr's recent sort of uh, going with the band saying he was? For won't a start, sign. I roared laughing. Yeah. I roared laughing. And uh, a girlfriend who eventually married an American used to be an ex girlfriend of Ringo's. Um, and even she said, how ridiculous, how preposterous. He must have just had an off day. He will do that on off day. Something will totally annoy him, and that's it. Peace and love, peace and love, peace and love. I thought it was hysterical, because he's not really like that as a, you know, a person. I remember when we um, did the launch for the pantomime, actually in Liverpool, and it was just after. He did that other silly thing on Jonathan Ross, you know, what do you miss about Liverpool? And he said, nothing. I thought, but that, that's his sense of humour, you but know. But they cut his head off on that. It's uh, on a whim, I know, on the Tobri thing, yeah. Do you think he deserves that kind of retaliation? Or do you think Liverpool well, should forgive Liverpool him? Well, Liverpool people are very proud. We're a very proud yeah. race. And actually, you know... He, I know he didn't mean that. I spent the whole, of, a lot of the time in Liverpool apologising mm. for Ringo. I thought, what's it got to do with me? Mm. Um, but no, I don't think, you know, if he doesn't want to sign anything, just don't sign mm. anything. You won't go to that stage there, will you? Oh, God, no. What's no. the most precious piece of memorabilia you have of your career? Precious piece? of my career. I guess it's being honoured by the Queen at the, at the palace, my OBE. Right. And I got it, for, for not for my charity work, but actually being good at doing what I do oh. in show business. And I was very proud of that, because a lot of... Um, of course I do my charity. I keep it in the desk. You know, I want what I want to do, but I'm not very good at. I'm not very good at showing off. I'm. Sh I'll show off the talent mm. on the screen, but I'm not very good at putting. You know, and I've got a lot of awards. Yeah. I mean, I don't even. Sometimes I put them on the floor. Well, I put them underneath there, so you w you wouldn't be able to see them. I mean, I don't have them on display. Mm. What's the weirdest thing a fan has ever sent you? <gasps> Not very nice. I was at the Palladium. Oh, it was 64. And? Oh, that's unprintable. Was well, it it's not unprintable today. Pardon? Was it a photograph or a pair It of wasn't a photo. No, it was worse than that. It was his pubic hair. Really? Oh, no. God, I kept washing myself every, you know. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that, that, well, I, that was a head case. Like. <laughs> oh no. What's the best showbiz party you've ever been to? Well, you know, the, well, the most recent was actually, and the best at the moment was last night. Um, you're looking at a, a girl who didn't get in. She had a great night this morning. Whose party was it last night? Nikki Haslam. Okay. And I love 
I mean, it was only for 800 of his closest friends. <laughs> but I loved the party because the people were so diverse. Yeah. I mean, you'd go, there would be Bob Geldof over there, and then there'd be Princess Michael of Kent yeah. over there, and then I was with Nikki, and Paris Hilton was there. And Nikki gave me this big build-up, saying iconic, mm. national treasure. I actually looked round to see who he was talking oh, about. And then he said, you won't believe this girl. Of them, then a penny dropped. Mm. And she looked just as bewildered as I did. Oh. Was she nice? <laughs> she was, actually. She was very nice, very gentle, quite quiet. Oh, good. Um, and do you believe in love at first sight? I do. I actually do. With, with Bobby it was. I mean, I mm. looked at this guy in the Zodiac Club. I can't say it was love at first sight. It was probably lust at first sight. I fancied him wrong. Mm. This gorgeous, you know, white blonde hair. And Who's yes, the most so fanciable man on TV now? Most fanciable? Yeah. Really watch that much? I'm always out. Um, fanciable man. You'll kill me if I say Simon Cowell. I think he's incredibly attractive, mm -hmm. and he's funny, and he's a mate. Mm. Uh, but he is very fanciable. What do you think of those shows like The X Factor and Pop Idol and all that? Do you approve of them? Well, I have to really because Cause they're ITV. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because um, in a way, you know, Blind Date was the, a reality show. It was ordinary members of the public, mm. so it was surprise pride. Mm. Or ordinary members of the public. Yeah. Um, so I can't really knock them. And you know, they have. A, they're not going to go away. I mean, you've got. It's a different generation of people now. So young people. Um, well, yeah, they will remember because it's only sort of um, not five years since Blind Date was off the television so I mean it was very much a family show but there will be a time when there'll be a generation which they've never heard of Blind Date or Surprise Prime. Talking of dates what's the most romantic thing anyone has ever done for you? Well it'd have to be Bobby. Yeah, of course. Actually it wasn't Bobby. <laughs> 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 I'd had a row with Bobby <laughs> and I was in Blackpool at the time yeah. and I had to come down to London to record on the Sunday, on my day off, two shows a week, two, two shows a day, Sunday off, my day off, I had to um, record, go in the studio. So how am I going to get down? I, you know, I don't drive or I never even thought of hiring a chauffeur or whatever, a chauffeur-driven car. So I was telling my woes one night in, in the restaurant, you know, uh, Adam Faith was at the, one of the other theatres. He said, I'm going home tomorrow to London. Um, and I was staying with Brian Epstein. Uh, he said, I'll give you a lift. And he said, what, do you want anything to eat on, you know, on the journey or whatever, you know? want me to get anything in the car? I said, no, I need sweets. He said, well, what, what sweets? I'll get some sweets for you, chocolates. I said, Smarties. I said, but you know, I only really like the orange ones. Get into this Rolls Royce. And he's got, you know, the old-fashioned jars? Mm -hmm. Full of orange Smarties. Now, I was blown away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, my God. Yeah. Do you think fancy, yeah. It's just a charm. 
Charmer, yeah. A yeah. charm. Mm. Would you, who would you like to swap places with for 24 hours? <laughs> it wouldn't be a woman, actually. Mm. It would not be a woman. Jack Nicholson. Oh, wow, yes. Yeah. You can see lots of women if you were in there. <laughs> <laughs> I would, because I fancy him as mm. well. Mm. I think he's great. And I, oh, yeah, I bet he's good fun. Yeah. I know. What's the worst job you've ever done? Well, I've only ever had one job, and I loved it. Mm. Um, well, two jobs if you count the, you know, hanging coats up in the cabin. Yeah. And I loved that because mm. I got a free lunch, and I loved my job. Mm. I was the first interview I ever went for because I, I just knew I wanted to be a pop singer, mm. and it, I just thought, well, I may as well take the job. It's mm. around the corner from mm. the cabin. I can go and see the Beatles, you know, maybe do a few numbers and whatever. And I've got this job in Stanley Street, which was great. So it's not, it was not a bad job. I'd, I've loved both jobs well, that I've had. What's the strangest thing you've read about yourself? Oh, it was quite recently, really. <laughs> Apparently, somebody, I don't know whether they've done it, it's a very bad joke, put on the, uh, the BA uh, website that I was the worst, me and Madonna were the worst passengers ever. Now, me, I don't say boo to a goose, um, and she has a flunky. I tr all, most of the time, travel on my own. Um, insist on row 1A. I hate the front row. I never, uh, I like row 3 of anything, row 3 or 4. don't like sitting in the front. I've got a flunky with me. Um, you can't, you're not allowed to speak to Miss Black. You're only allowed to speak to the flunky who says don't speak to her unless you're spoken to. And the flunky orders the wine, everything for me. Have you never had a tantrum on a plane then? No. God, be, now that would be embarrassing. Bobby did have once. Yeah, when yeah. I mean, it's crazy when you think about the safety mm. things now. Ben was six weeks old, and we're in first class, so there's two seats then. And we were flying to the south of France, and we had the carry cart with the baby in it across our knees, mm. by the way. And they promised that they would get the wheels on the tarmac. Out. Now, you know, we've traveled all this way this, like, with the baby, like this. And this steward, oh, he was dead snotty. He said, well, we've flown you all the way from London. You'll have to go to the hall to get the wheels like And Bobby said, hang on a minute, mate. We are paid the privilege of two first-class seats and the baby you are paid to fly us here, not you have flown us here as if like you paid for the seats. Now get those, we're not leaving this plane until you get those wheels off the, and I was, that, that was embarrassing. I was really embarrassed by that. But I mean, he just, he never, it took an awful lot for Bobby to lose his temper, but when it, he blew, he really did, he, he used to lose it. I know he'd go really, Grey would go grey in colour. I imagine stewards would be quite fearful of you now with that reputation they've suddenly given you in the press then. Be... You know what? <laughs> Funny you should say that. I went to Spain and they were practically, I thought, 
there's something in this thing now. <laughs> they were practically kneeling, going, worshipping me like that. And I was embarrassed again. I was totally embarrassed. And I was on my own. And they put me up, they put me in 1A. They upgraded you. Yeah. No, not upgrade. I never get an upgrade. Oh, right. they put you in the it's the seat. number of the... Yeah. I always fly, because I fly on my own, mm-hmm. I always fly first class. Simple as that, mm. you know, uh, because you get a, you can't in in Europe because it's all club. But I, you know, you have three seats on one side. I'll always go with the two seats on this side uh, because being my luck, they always put me in the middle of two 84-year-old incontinent people who are constantly getting up <laughs> and um, No, I had the. I really, I was very impressed. I thought. Well, maybe it's not too bad being the worst. <laughs> Just three more quick questions. Uh, to what extent do you feel you've been given the credit you deserve career-wise? Oh, I think I have. Mm. Um, I know I've been very lucky, and the timing has been timing is incredibly important. Um, I, I, you know, I have got a talent, I'm, and I'm very proud of that talent. Mm. But I've also been very, very lucky. Mm. Um, I've never ever taken it for granted. Never ever. How you much know. do you yearn to be Dame Silla one day? I don't actually. The only Dame I'm going to be is in a pantomime. <laughs> you know, um, I don't because I actually. You go. It goes back to the question, the previous question you asked me. Mm. I mean, why? I know it was the biggest honour for me to, to get the OB, but why on earth should I be made a Dame for doing exactly what I want to do? Well, lots of people are. Well, yeah, and good luck to them. Good luck to them. And how would you like people to remember you after you left this planet? (laughs) Well, I've always said, you know, if I did get buried on my headstone, here lies Silla Black, the singer, not TV presenter. Not that I'm... But I've always wanted, as a child, to be a singer. And I always regard myself, really, as a singer who can do television. So it's not a snobbish thing. I'm not looking down. I mean, I've been very, very lucky and grateful that I've had two, three fabulous shows, if you count Moment of Truth. Mm -hmm. Um, Four, actually, the BBC one. So no no regrets, as they say.